Well, good morning and welcome to our worship service here at the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm Aaron and I'm so glad that you're with us today as we're continuing our series on living hope. And today we're actually going to talk about how we can live our lives with this hope. All kinds of things in our lives, whether things are good or things are hard. And uh, for many of us recently, things have been hard. I think as, uh, as a nation, we've been going through a pretty tough, tough trial. And, uh, you know, that's the way the world works. Uh, life has trials, and that's okay, but some trials are bigger than others. Uh, some difficulties when we face actually can shake our faith. And uh, when we hit those times, we want to know how we're going to handle those. And some of those trials can be things like uncertainty or failure, death, doubt, pandemics, all those types of things. But here's the good news. No matter what's shaken your faith in the past or what might be shaking your faith today or whatever you might face in the future that could shake your faith, the good news is that God has given us a foundation that we can stand firm upon, that we can handle all of life, the good things and the bad things, uh, with, uh, with hope and uh, that carries us through. And that's what we're going to talk about today. As we get to that, um, let's remind ourselves of the memory verse we've had for this series. And boy, what a timely memory verse this has been, hasn't it? <laughs> we, uh, we had no idea we started this series that uh, we'd be handling all of this pandemic stuff. But Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Well, how wonderful is that? So let's uh, say it together. Here we go. Three, two, one. One, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, Romans 8, 18. Hallelujah. All right. One more time. Let's just test ourselves. Here we go. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, Romans 8, 18. You know, Christians are the most optimistic of all people. Theologically, we are. Because we know that no matter what happens in life, the best is, is yet to come. And that's really amazing. No matter what we're, our present sufferings, not worth comparing with what's coming next. But we're also optimistic. We know that God's not just working for the hereafter. He's working in the here and now. That he is actively working today to bring about all things together for our good and the glory of his kingdom. And that is fantastic news. And so with that wonderful hope, we see, we expect God to be doing good things, and we see God to be doing great things, even in the midst of difficult times. In fact, even since the beginning of this pandemic, we've seen God do move in amazing ways. It's been hard, but we've seen God do amazing things. We've seen Him come through, and, and I've heard stories of great miracles, how He's brought provision, how he's brought peace in the midst of difficult times, how he's shown up, how he's brought the church together and met amazing needs amongst the believers in the body and how that's strengthened the church. God is doing great things. We've seen people come back to faith and we've seen people come to faith and be baptized in the midst of this time. And, you know, God is not done. God is doing good things and we're not done. And so today we're going to talk about uh, how we we work with God as He's at work in our life. And so with that, why don't you take your Bibles out, and we're going to turn them to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be beginning our reading there in verse 24. And just a little context as you turn to Matthew chapter 7 is Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the greatest sermon in the history of ever. It's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus really explains how His kingdom works. What does it mean to be a disciple of His? What is 
How does the kingdom of God operate? And at the very end of that message, this is how Jesus concludes that most amazing of all sermons. He says, uh, starting in verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And so Jesus shows us in this passage, there's two different types of builders that we can be, how we build our life, and there's different foundations we can build upon. And as we build our lives upon Christ's word and his teachings, then we have a solid foundation to handle no matter what life brings, storm or sun. And so with that and this passage, we're going to talk today about five keys to living in that kind of hope. And the first key to having living hope, no matter what life brings, right, to build our lives with a solid foundation of Christ's teachings, is this. The first one is to not be surprised by life storms. And this is huge for us because as Christians, oftentimes difficult times rock our faith because we weren't expecting it. Something bad happens. We didn't expect a pandemic. And when bad things happen and weren't expecting, it's really easy for us to go, what happened? Why? But let's not forget, as Christians, in Christ's word and the Bible, we are told the reality that this is a broken world, that we hijacked this from God. It may look like paradise, but it's a fallen paradise. Now, this world is, is under the control of fallen people and fallen angels. Bad stuff's going to happen. In fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus told his disciples this. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. But Jesus didn't promise a trouble-free life. That's, that's, not the, that's not the gospel. The trouble-free life is the, is the life to come, the eternal life. He, he's saving us from this broken place to a real paradise. But the great news is, is we don't have to wait till the hereafter for us to have peace. And unlike everybody else in this world whose peace is attached to the very temporary and fragile things of this world that can so easily be taken away, the Christian's peace is not based upon our circumstance. Never has been. And really, if our peace is based upon our circumstance, how can anybody have peace? Haven't we all just been shown over these past few months how quickly the things that we just take for granted can be taken away? Nah, the peace of a Christian is not based upon the things that are happening around us. It, our peace is based upon the power of our God to overcome this broken world. And we have that peace because our God is with us. And said, take heart, I have overcome the world. And so long as we are with Christ, we are with the overcomer. And there is nothing that we can handle today, there's nothing that we can face today that is not completely within the power of God to carry us through. And that is where our peace comes. And so with that, the second key then is, is not, not being surprised when bad things happen, is this, when bad stuff inevitably does happen, turn immediately to God. We need to go to God immediately. So we need to let trouble turn us to God, not away. Even the book of Proverbs, we were told that so quickly a person's heart is turned away from God in a time of turmoil. But a wise person turns to the Lord. 
Uh, we need to be those kind of people that when bad stuff happens, it's so easy for us to blame God when it's our own, oftentimes our own brokenness that causes it, or just the brokenness of this world. And we get mad at God when bad stuff happens. But ultimately, that's not helpful. Because really, when bad stuff happens, who's going to help you? God. And so instead of uh, putting a fist or a wall between us and God, we need to come near to God so we can receive His help in our time of need. And that's why I'm so encouraged when I read passages like James chapter 4, verse 8, where, where the brother of Jesus, James, he writes this, he says, Come near to God and He will come near you. That is the posture of our God. He is not far off. He's not waiting for us to to somehow run all the way up the great high mountain to somehow meet him. God says, if you take a motion towards me, I want to be with you. And in context, James is saying this. He says, don't be double-minded about this. Don't, Don't try to live halfway one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. He said, you know what? Be pure in this. If you're gonna go towards God, go towards God. Really trust him. And as we go near to God, know that our God comes to us and he's there to meet you. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe it's in a broken place or a place of fear or a place of anxiety. And to go to God is enough to say, God, I need your help. And to know that our God is the type of God that comes near you in that moment. And as you go to God, we need to make sure that we're asking the right kinds of questions. So often, We ask the wrong questions, and so we don't get the right kind of answers. And here's an example of that. Most often when bad things happen in my life, my first question is, why? Are you like that? Why, God, why did you let this happen? There's never a good answer for that. Even if God did tell me this is exactly why it happened, it doesn't make it stop hurting, and it doesn't give me any purpose. What I've discovered over time is is that why is a natural question, but it's not helpful. A helpful question is what? God, what do you want me to do? God, what will you have me do in this moment? You know, by changing the question as I come to God, it changes my perspective entirely. When I ask why, I approach him as a victim. But when I ask what, I come to him as a victor, as his workman in this life to say, "I'm, I'm going along beside you. What will you have? Because God's called me more than an overcomer. He's called you more than an overcomer. So in the midst of all trials, to recognize that we had even a couple weeks ago in our message, it says that we consider all difficulties, all hardships, discipline, that God is using to bring about a greater good. So the question isn't why are things happening? God's doing good things in your life. That's why. God's building testimony. That's why. But the question that you need to be asked, that I need to ask is, God, what will you have me do now? And as we bring ourselves to God and as we come to God, we come completely with God, to God. And so as we go to God, we need to go with Him even with our emotions. We need to embrace those emotions. I think there are times that as Christians, we, we feel that there's something wrong with us. We're, we lack faith if somehow we, we handle something different in life, difficult in life, or not just filled with just overwhelming joy. Well, it's okay to be sad when things break. It's okay to be frustrated and be angry. This world is hard. You know that our God is a God that has emotions? Uh, we were reading through the Bible as a church, you know, through this year, and, and, and how many times have we gone through, we've seen that the people of Israel would do something and God would just get angry? <laughs> or that the people of, of, of Israel would have somebody that would cry out on their behalf, a prophet, and then God's heart was filled with mercy or compassion that it would be broken? 
That even in the Gospels we see Jesus, sometimes he was filled with, with frustration or with rage or with sadness. Jesus even told us the greatest thing we can do is to love God with everything we are, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. That's our hearts, our emotions. And so when things break, when life is hard, we need to bring those emotions to God and to know this, that God doesn't just uh, tell us to bring those. He actually builds the space in order to process those things. In Ecclesiastes, uh, we were told that there is actually even time God gives us to, to process all of our emotions. In verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And that includes a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. That God didn't make us as these righteous robots that are supposed to roam this earth just doing good works. He made us as his children, and we live with him, and we get to, to experience the fullness of this life. And some of those emotions are very big and very hard when difficult things happen. And there's nothing wrong with the emotions themselves, but, but we need to make sure those emotions bring us to the right place, and that's why we need God to help us process those. That's why we need to embrace them and to bring them to God. Anger, for example, if it just leads to its own thing, can lead to self-destructive rage, can it? Anger can ruin relationships and can ruin lives, but, but uh, when we bring it to God, God can help us turn that anger into righteous action because there's very rarely an emotion that's more motivating than anger. Or fear, in and of itself, fear can cause us to retreat into terror and to isolate. But if we bring our fear to God, he can help us process that and turn it into courage. Or sadness, left to itself, can lead us into despair. But when we bring our sadness to God, it can lead us to hope. Or grief, grief can lead to, to the deep depression. But when we bring our grief to God, and He not only brings healing and acceptance, He brings us purpose. And so we need to bring all of ourselves and our emotions to God. The fourth key to living with hope is to lean on the faith of others. That God didn't design us to handle this world all and of ourselves. See, this world is bigger than any one of us. That... You've heard me say it many times before, and it's, it's true because, uh, and I say it a lot because there's a bad doctrine out there that goes against this. The bad doctrine says that God will never give you more than you can handle. That's just bad doctrine. There's just nowhere in, in Scripture that says He's not going to give you more temptation than you can handle. But as far as this world goes, this world is too much for us. It is too broken for us. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed God Himself to come in the flesh to overcome this world, because we couldn't. And if we as the collective humanity couldn't take over this world, couldn't overcome it, how much less can you? And so we need other people. We weren't designed to go it alone. And that's one of the reasons God gave us the church. In fact, in Galatians 6.2, a passage I talked about even last week, we read it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And that passage even means like if somebody in the church is sinning, that we're not supposed to just humiliate them and cast them out. But even if they struggle with something, a moral failing, we're to, to help build them up gently and to a point of restoration. That we are supposed to help each other, even in those embarrassing things and hard things in life, that we're to carry each other burdens. And this is how we fulfill the law of Christ. You can't even fulfill the law of Christ if you're not in Christian community. 
And see, we, we need the church. We need each other. There are times when I'm going through something difficult and I need to be reminded by the faith of other people that my God is real. And those moments when all I see is the canyon valleys, uh, you know, the walls of the valley of darkness that I'm going through, I need others to remind me that the valley has an end. I need the stories of others who have gone through that valley before me to say, God is with you in the midst of this. I need to be reminded of those truths. And so do you. And so we lean on the faith of others. And so four things we've talked about already that are keys as a Christian that we, to live with hope. The first one is not to be surprised when life is difficult. Of course it is. It's a broken world. Second one is we need to turn to God when life is difficult, immediately turn to Him. The third one is we need to go to Him, embrace our emotions, and, and to bring those to Him. And the fourth one is to, lead, uh, to lean on the faith of others. The fifth key has a lot less to do with you but how you use it. And the fifth key to living with hope is this, to allow my faith to witness to others. Living hope benefits everyone around you. See, most people lose hope when life gets hard. Most of us and friends in this pandemic, if they don't have Christ, where is their hope? Hopefully the economy might start back up. Hopefully the sickness won't come into their homes. That's a weak hope. When everybody else is going in despair, it stands out in stark contrast when a Christian in the midst of difficult times is filled with hope <laughs> that overflows into their life. You know, how you suffer is far more important than how you succeed. Think about the people that we most respect in life. It are those that have overcome usually the, the greatest difficulty. We are far more impressed with, with how somebody overcomes a hardship than, than we are with how they handle success. And so when we go through hardship, recognize that God is building testimony into you. He's revealing that your faith is true. And he's giving you opportunity to gain true respect in the eyes of those around you so that you can point them to the source of your hope. And really, that's the part of what Matthew is talking about, right? Matthew 24, we said today that Jesus said, anyone who hears his words and puts them into practice is a wise person. To build their house on the rock, that's where that solid foundation comes in. As in, we build our lives on these teachings and these truths from God's word. Of course, we can hear these things, and we can say, hey, man, that's all good, but we can then not apply them into our lives, and that's just foolish. And so the question that we really have to ask ourselves when we come to this part and we see God's word here is to really have that genuine question, that introspective question in our own soul to say, where am I building my life? Where is my foundation? And living hope is found on the rock. And so today, the things that we've talked about as far as the keys to living with, with hope, the first one that we have is that we need to not be surprised when life gets hard. We need to turn to God when it does. We need to embrace our emotions. We need to lean on the faith of others, and we need to allow our faith to be a witness to other people. As we do that, then uh, we will find that God not only builds our faith, but he builds our testimony, which allows us to do our, fulfill our calling. We are these disciples of Jesus that build generational transformational disciples of Jesus to see his goodness flow from us and through this community. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week, of how we as a church are called to be uh, agents of living hope, even in this community. But before we do that, uh, let me just pray for you as we bring this message uh, to a close. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and powerful. 
your love is never ending. And uh, Lord, we know that in you, we have real hope, not just for today, but forever. Father, I pray for this congregation as we're going through this trial as, a, as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community, and as a nation. Lord, help us in this time to, to, to build our lives on the truth of your word. Let us not be surprised by the difficult things that come, but remind ourselves this is a broken world and this is exactly why we need Jesus. Lord, give us the sense to turn immediately to you in the midst of this time. And as we do, Lord, accept all of us. Help us to process our emotions. Give us the strength to have testimony. And Father, Lord, as we look at coming back together as a congregation, I'm grateful that we already are connected in the spirit. And so, Lord, in this time, I pray that you would help knit this church close together, that we could lean upon one another's faith as we build each other up in faithfulness as we follow you. And Lord, I pray that how we as individuals and as a church navigate this time, that it would be a testimony to our neighbors and our co-workers and, and our community of the reality of your presence in our life. Lord, I pray that you would open doors and hearts for the gospel. And Lord, I pray if there's any, even today, this morning, that are listening, that uh, need to build their life on you, need to come to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that you would gift them with the courage and the ability to come to you by faith to accept you as their Lord and Savior. And that you would receive them into this family and that you would help them to begin building their life on a solid foundation. Lord, we lift all of this in the beautiful name of our rock, our Savior Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a few things um, that we can do to respond to the message that uh, we heard that Aaron just preached. And uh, as you, if you look on your connection card, if you're online with us, um, just go ahead and, and find that link in the chat or in the video description of our connection card. You can also go to our website and find that. And on that connection card, there are four things that you can commit to this week. The first thing you can do is memorize 818 if you haven't already. Uh, just an awesome passage, especially during this time that we can memorize together. Another thing that you can do also is to read Hebrews, just to read that whole book. Um, just, a, just a great book that, to, that we can read through um, that really goes along with the message we heard today. A third thing we can do, uh, send a note or, or uh, call someone um, and just encourage them. Um, find someone, uh, think of someone this week that, that you think may need encouragement, which is really all of us, right? Um, and uh, think of that person and send, send encouragement to them. And then the fourth thing um, is to join the prayer team at our church. And uh, that uh, is just an awesome ministry where uh, you can be a part of uh, many other people in our church uh, who are uh, praying about the needs of our community and the needs of our uh, people uh, in our church and our families in our church. And, and so if you would like to do any of those things, feel free to check those boxes and um, fill out that connection card. And before we end the service today, go ahead and submit that and uh, let that be part of your offering, uh, your commitment to the Lord today. All right. As we finish up this service, let's start in to worship.